You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. Joining me today is Emma Weston. Emma is the CEO and co-founder of AgriDigital, one of Australia's most awarded ag tech companies. Emma has had a diverse career as a lawyer, agribusiness executive, and executive coach. She is also a mentor, advisor, and director on several boards focused on tech and digital. Today, we dive into the high-growth world of ag tech and explore some of the challenges ag techs face when scaling. Welcome to the Product Edge, Emma. Thanks so much for having me, Jade. Really excited to be discussing ag techs with you. So ag tech is an emerging sector that has the potential to completely reshape global agriculture. It's been predicted to become Australia's next $100 billion industry by 2030. So what a space to be in. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into ag tech, Emma? Yeah, sure. So uh, it's probably not um, not a traditional journey in that I am um, I'm not from a farm. I'm not from um, the agricultural um, kind of sector originally. I'm actually a lawyer uh, from the city who um, who is now who is now a very proud farmer. So I guess I had a very traditional um, background in terms of growing up. Um, went and did law and was a lawyer for the first few years. Realized that wasn't for me, and then. Um, was very happily headhunted to the Australian Wheat Board uh, and joined them as a lawyer, but then moved into um, a variety of line and PL roles. And as part of that, was building out products and services for an agricultural industry or a grains industry that was being reshaped because it was being deregulated um, and going through a deregulation process. And all of that kind of product um, work was very informal. Um, there probably wasn't even kind of the concept of a product organization or product teams or anything like that at the time. But that's essentially what we were doing. We were creating a product organization. We were working in, um, you know, multifunctional product teams or cross-functional product teams. So from there, um, realized that I absolutely love um, problems and solutions and solving them through products that interface with customers. I'm particularly passionate about the customer piece um, and working with customers to really understand their problems in detail. Wanted to do that um, on a much bigger scale, but also um, under my own steam. And so for the past 10 years, I've really been working in startups that I've either founded or co-founded and AgriDigital is the third one along the line to to be doing that with. So yeah, we've exited twice in previous previous to AgriDigital and now are in market with AgriDigital. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about AgriDigital. It's five and a half years old now, is that correct? It is, yeah. So we started, my two co-founders, Bob McKay, Ben Reed, and myself, we're all farmers, um, uh, started AgriDigital back in late 2015. And to be honest, we really didn't, um, you know, get 
started until probably 2016. We probably spent the first six months really very deep in the problem and thinking about um, all of these, um, you know, huge problems across agriculture and supply chain globally. Where What did we really have the skills, the experience um, and the passion um, to be solving for? And we knew this was going to be quite a long play. Um, what we realised was that despite um, having had years of history and, and sort of by then about 20 years history in grain supply chains in particular, there were still many problems that had not been solved for. And what we were really interested in was uh, the intersection of digital technologies and how digitization was going to be able to take a whole supply chain, not just one segment of the supply chain or one customer segment forward, but the whole supply chain forward. Um, how we used uh, digital to connect participants across the supply chain and ultimately how we uh, aggregated data that could then be leveraged into products and services that could de-risk uh, supply chain participation for the participants. And the participants um, are farmers, but they're also traders, buyers of commodities, sellers of commodities, processors of commodities, storers of commodities. And the area that we focus in at AgriDigital is the grain supply chain. Fantastic. So within the agri-digital space, you're, you're working with emerging technologies, you're working with digital, you're doing a fair bit in the data space. So really combining lots of emerging areas and um, and, and high growth um, techs. Yeah, I guess like the way we think about our mission is to power uh, trust in supply chain by combining physical inventory and inventory management with data and finance. And the finance element is really important to what we do because uh, when we started AgriDigital back in 2015, we realized that not only was technology or access to best-in-class technology um, either an existing or was going to be a blocker for participation in the supply chain, but increasingly finance or being able to access working capital was the other large inhibitor to growth, particularly for small to medium enterprise. So we kind of really fit in this intersection of digital, of ag tech and fintech. Um, you know, that can make things very complex. Mm. Um, it can make product development quite difficult sometimes. Um, and particularly when we're working across such a different breadth of customers who all have slightly different needs. Definitely. And um how would you then describe sort of ag tech as being different to other industries? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. So I guess um, it's if we think about the tech component, whether it's fintech or regtech or ag tech, it's really the way that we're using technology to transform, um, you know, the the prefix industry, right? So the, the way that we're using technology to transform agriculture. But agriculture is so broad in terms of, um, you know, what, what it entails and, it's the, the number of use cases I think are, is just really um, huge and therefore compelling, which, you know, makes it a great growth industry. Uh, but it also makes it quite tricky to work with. Um, I guess, you know, the other way I would think about ag tech is that it's really thinking about the way that innovation and technology is being applied in a digital sense. So I, I know that it's not solely digital, but I think um, the, the latest breed of ag tech companies are digital players. And therefore, it's not just about solving 
or AgriDigital building a product and taking it to market, it's increasingly about how all of these ag techs are interacting with each other um, and with incumbents as well. So products and services cannot just go out into the marketplace um, without thinking about the ecosystem in which they're operating. And increasingly, we're having to shape that ecosystem as well, um, which is quite ancient in <laughs> certain, certain ways. And so, you know, can be quite challenging when you're looking at applying novel technology. Um, and also, of course, we are fo- we're faced in this industry with the challenges of, um, you know, remoteness. So connectivity challenges uh, is a real problem for um, adoption, but also for product build. You know, we need to build products in the knowledge and we've made plenty of mistakes along the way. So I'm sort of speaking with um, a bit of hindsight here, but we now need we now know that we need to build products in the knowledge that uh, we have to build offline capability. Um, and so you're building digital, but you're having to build offline entry points, um, which I think does make product development a little tricky. Absolutely. And you talk about needing to shape the, the ecosystem. Is there a lot of collaboration and a cooperation between ag tech businesses to do that? There is a high degree of willingness to cooperate and collaborate. So there's a lot of informal um, collaboration and sharing of ideas, um, you know, more than probably formal at the moment. And I think that's just a stage of maturity of the ag tech industry. A lot of us are still very focused on that first component of early stage growth and moving into scaling. And, you know, sometimes that collaboration component really can't take really can't be done meaningfully until, you know, you're you're at that scaling level. Um, So there's certainly a lot of informal collaboration. And I think that's in pretty, um, it's in a bit of a contrast to supply chain and to agriculture um, in particular, where actually, unfortunately, particularly in supply chain, it's been characterised by competition more than by collaboration. And so when we're thinking about building connections through our platforms across the supply chain, that sometimes does come up as a bit of a behaviour or a mind shift for some of the participants. Absolutely. And you mentioned that, you know, the industry is in that scaling phase and it it is still very emerging. What's it like building a business in such an emerging space? Well, I think you have to be pretty adaptable um, for sure. And, you know, what it means is that the more successful you are is likely to be a factor of the background and deep expertise that you have in the core industry and the ability to then leverage that in an agile way, you know, into this emerging technology space. So I think it's a combination of um, domain expertise that is required uh, and it's not just uh, product knowledge or product management skills or, you know, tech skills. Um, you cannot engineer these solutions without deep knowledge of the domain and without connection to and the respect of and the willingness of the customer to participate. Okay. So w- is it fair to say then that the, the founders of these ag tech companies or the majority of, of people in ag tech come from farming or grains or supply chain, they do need that domain expertise? 
I think there needs to be a sprinkling of that across the company. Um, I don't think everybody needs to come from the domain, but there needs to be a kind of a core basis of domain knowledge that can then be leveraged across the company. And, you know, I guess that's probably going to be a hallmark of other successful um, ag techs is how well we share that knowledge um, internally, what kind of systems we build to create and to leverage that domain expertise across the company, um, and the willingness, pardon me, and the agility of, um, you know, new team members to be able to pick up on that domain expertise. So it does absolutely need to be there. I really passionately believe that. Um, But I don't think if you don't come from a farming background or, you know, you didn't grow up in rural Australia or, you know, regional America or whatever it may be, I don't think that's an inhibitor to participating at all. Um, And the great thing is that, you know, as these companies are on the cusp of scaling and, you know, hitting that that, that kind of that growth phase, we are having to bring in um, skills and capabilities from other industries. And so, you know, it's now about very much the combination of technical expertise um, and the ability to leverage that core domain knowledge. Okay. And and you mentioned they're bringing expertise in from other industries. Are there any industries specifically where that um, transition is perhaps a little bit smoother, the skills are a bit more transferable? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, supply chain is pretty broad. And so I think that coming from a supply chain background um, uh, is, is really nice. Uh, but I also think that the complexity of dealing with the multiplicity of customers um, in the ag industry and across supply chain means that those who have been in customer-facing roles and really deeply understand customer um, have a big advantage. Um, I guess the other area is um, around product management. And I know that's the subject of the podcast, and I'm not just kind of saying that because um, because that's what we're talking about. But we are increasingly finding gaps in, uh, I mean, unfortunately, skills gaps in Australia around core product management skills. And if we were just to confine ourselves to um, finding highly skilled product managers who have an ag background, we would not find anyone <laughs> hardly. So, you know, we are increasingly looking to other, you know, CPG industries, um, you know, perhaps uh Um, other commodity industries um, where there have been product management has has kind of been around for longer um, and, you know, we're able to bring that in. Um, We're also probably looking at uh, workflow automation um, and so other industries that have gone through digitization um, and looking at how product managers dealt with, you know, the issues of taking you know, an old industry into um, into the digital age, and that's also really helpful. Fantastic. And, and you mentioned their core product management skill set, and this is something that I discuss a lot with CEOs, founders, product leaders, and, and really one of the reasons why I started the Product Edge podcast was around getting consensus in Australia around what those core product management skill sets are, because I think product is still maturing itself in Australia. What, um, what are those core skill sets for, for you, Emma? Look, I think um, the way I think about and it may not be the way everybody thinks about product management, but, you know, I do think about it as the glue between engineering and um, growth teams. So 
I'm really we're really looking for product managers or product people, not just managers, but analysts, um, owners, leaders, etc., who have really good um, interface skills, are able to manage a portfolio of requirements across a team, and are able to build out a cohesive set of uh, instructions that are highly aligned to strategy. They may not have to develop that strategy, but they have to be able to interpret that strategy um, and interpret a company vision and bring that down to a product level and down to a customer level. So it does require good synthesis of both strategic and operational mindsets and also execution capability. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and another area that I explore a lot with, with leaders is how technical product folks should be. Should they come from a, a very techie background, be it engineering or software development or more that yeah. commercial business side? For ag tech, is there a preference? Uh, that's an interesting one. And it would be interesting to see what other ag techs think. My preference personally is from a technical and an engineering background. Um, I really think that supercharges product development um, and you know that tends to be able to build that bridge or that glue um, between engineering and growth teams I think it's very hard when product managers or product team members do not have a good enough understanding of engineering um, and are effectively not able to translate requirements through to engineers in a meaningful way um, but still allows an engineer to exercise their creativity um, but is is not doing that in a way that um, gives you know too much kind of room for for waste, if you like, and and so you know that kind of focus from a technical and engineering perspective, I think, is important. Um, but I think that you know where we're evolving to is moving towards more product centric teams, and so this is not just about in having specific product team members as a function within an organization, but actually reconfiguring our organization to be more product oriented um, and structured in its, you know, right from the org structure all the way through. So we think now of like our product teams as being entirely cross-functional. And therefore, when we bring in a product manager, we want them to have, you know, true product management skills um, and to understand the complexity of what engineers require within that cross-functional team, as well as what growth team members, marketers, and others require within that cross-functional team. Okay, fantastic. And you mentioned previously that um, the customers are really at the heart of of what you do. Are your customers Australian-based only, or are they global as well? Yeah, so mostly Australian, um, just given stage of maturity of where we're at, but we've recently expanded into the United States Um, And so we have a set of early adopter customers over there who at this stage are all farmers. Um, But increasingly, we're having to broaden the definition of customer. So there's kind of like the primary user of a product, but there's also um, customers or, or, you know, partners as customers. So, you know, as we grow and scale, we're increasingly, you know, as I said, sort of mapping out this ecosystem and thinking about how we play with others in the ecosystem. And we have to kind of think about them with a customer mindset on as well. And so increasingly, you know, they're global in nature. Of course. So you talk about making your product teams more, um, well, your business actually more product centric. Yeah. 
obviously the ability to build relationships and interact with with your customers is is essential. What would be some of the other um, key skills or attributes you would look for when hiring product people for your company? Yeah, so um, I think I spoke earlier about, you know, being able to take a strategic um, uh, approach to product development. So that is basically aligning the product vision and strategy with the company um, uh, strategy and the vision. Um, being able to, I mean, what I'm really looking for in a product manager is being able to articulate what success for this product looks like and being able to sell that at all levels across the organization and to use their influencing skills to help others understand and to build for, so to engineer that success, you know, to sell that success, uh, to build out the data science that, you know, tracks that success, whatever it may be. But that's, you know, at the core for me, what I'm looking for in a product manager. And if they are unable to kind of define success metrics and build out um, product management capability to drive towards success, then really what they end up becoming is like business analysts setting out requirements or scrum masters. And, you know, that's where I've seen a lot of people think they um, are in a product role. They may even have product in their title but I don't, I don't consider them doing true product management um, and having that end-to-end capability. I find it um, really interesting that you said there, you know, the essential skill is being able to, to sell that story across the business and, and sell the products. And I think when we're recruiting product professionals for, for companies, I've noticed that it is such an essential skill, the art of storytelling, the art of influencing, and um, essentially the, the sales skills required but it is, it's actually never a prerequisite in position descriptions or very rarely <laughs> in briefs, but it's really the fundamental skill sets that, that product folk need. Look, I think, you know, you can't hide behind Jira um, forever as a product person. And, you know, the tools are the tools, but, you know, they're not your whole job. Um, and if all we were looking for was someone to sit on tools, um, you know, that's actually completely trainable. Whereas with product people, we're looking for a bit of X factor. Um, and that X factor tends to sit in that storytelling, um, you know, that communication, that sales and influencing and persuasiveness. Um, and also, you know, the ability to, to put up your hand sometimes um, and, you know, query confidently what is happening and say, look, this you know, this thing that's happening over here in this part of the organization is not going to work for my product for these reasons. And to understand those impacts and, um, you know, cause and effect and be able to articulate those in a way that um, builds collaboration across the organization. You know, we don't want people sitting in silos in products. We want collaboration across the organization. So people that drive that collaboration and what we're looking for. Absolutely. Now, Emma, I know we've talked um, offline about AgriDigital's growth plans um, over the coming years, which is really exciting and, and you've already expanded into, into the States. What do you see as being some of the challenges that you're potentially going to face when it comes to scaling your product functions and, and, and the business? Look, there's definite challenges in, um, you know, a post-pandemic world around building a distributed workforce um, and being able to build product capability across an organization um, in a workforce that may be working remotely um, or maybe distributed. Uh, we don't want to underplay those challenges. We recognize them. Um, I don't think we've got them all solved for yet. Um, so that is going to be a challenge. Um, I think, you know, 
hiring for culture fit is a challenge for us. Um, so just trying to think about how to better articulate what it means to work at AgriDigital, the type of expectations we have, how we do things around here. Um, you know, I think that's almost more important, you know, or it's 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 more important than ever to be able to, um, you know, not wait for an interview to start communicating that, um, but to be able to communicate that more in a very upfront way. Um, and we obviously, you know, do try and do some of that through, you know, our website and our interaction in market, but, you know, we, we need to do better on that. So that's probably just a challenge for us in terms of articulating um, you know, why the why AgriDigital um, for, you know, potential employees. Um, I guess a third challenge is that as, as products get, you know, into market, they need to evolve and, you know, you learn from the product being in the market. And we're still early, very early stage, um, really, when, you know, although we're growing rapidly, we're still very early stage. And so, I, I can see challenges around us having to reframe our ideas and, you know, be responsive to the data and the signals that we're getting from the market and, you know, to have to adapt, but then still stay true to the vision that we have. So I think that's going to be one where that's a challenge for me as the CEO, right, is, you know, to be able to, you know, understand what the market's telling us, but to be able to interpret that in light of our vision and to make sure that that's clearly articulated for our team um, so they know how to know how to implement that um, at a day-to-day level. Um, the final area that I think is really important is to actually have impact and to be able to measure that impact. Um, we really do see ourselves as being an organisation that is contributing to uh, a more sustainable future for the world through uh, better supply chains, more efficient supply chains, de-risk supply chains, and you know the, the part that we play in agriculture um, and and the production industry. But we really have no idea about what our impact is. So, you know, we sort of have a vision to have an impact. Um, and I was talking about this with, earlier with someone else. That's probably why it's top of mind for me at the moment. But um, how do we start to measure that um, and share? That and I think increasingly that's important to future employees as well as to understand they're working for an organization that doesn't just have a big vision but is actually executing on that vision and having measurable impact. Absolutely. I was just talking to another product leader this week about uh, vision-driven product development, whereas a lot of companies have fallen into the trap of um, the agile trap where it's iteration-led and, and sometimes yes. that vision can can get a little bit lost. Um, so I think it's really, uh, really important that you identify that vision and, and stick to that vision and, and, and measure that. And I know a lot of product professionals in Australia, especially when I'm talking to them, have expressed an interest in ag tech. And I think it is because of that that vision and that impact and, and you know, creating ultimately a, a more sustainable and, and better world. How can product folk that are listening best position themselves to move into the ag tech industry if they don't come from that, you know, domain expertise background per se that you've mentioned? Look, there's a number of um, meetups and things like that now that um, mean that the industry is getting more exposed to a broader um, segment of the population. So, you know, that's a, I guess that's a pretty obvious way. Um, I will just say for anyone who is not in the ag industry, that we're a friendly bunch. Um, and so, you know, not to feel like, you know, these meetups are not for them. Um, you know, really we are welcoming and we know that we actually need 
this experience and this contribution from a broader set of people, um, you know, despite having said how important domain was, you know, we realise that diversity is also really important. So um, I think just getting involved is is really important. Um, you know, the other area is that there's, look, we've got some pretty um, amazing people in Australia and just to be able to perhaps volunteer some of the knowledge and some of the experience they've had to um, particularly the, the very early stage startups. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, incubators and accelerators and hubs around now that are looking for mentors and others um, to help early stage startups accelerate their growth. Um, and a lot of them have ag or ag tech streams. So, I really would encourage people to, you know, to check those out um, and to think about ways, you know, that they could participate. Um, I guess a final, you know, one that, you know, comes to mind is to, um, to actually reach out to AgTechs directly um, and to set out in a very clear way why um, your set of skills and your interest is compelling. Um, we are a growth industry, we are hiring, and we were hiring throughout the pandemic as well. And I'm not just speaking about agri-digital, I'm speaking about the industry as a whole. So I think there's enormous capability, and I don't think many of the jobs have been advertised, to be honest. So I think it's really important to use your contacts, use your networks, um, Many of us are really happy to have a coffee or have a chat. Um, and, you know, one of the great things would be to work out at least at a binary way. Do you think this is for you or not? If you think it's for you, then start to adjust your career plan towards it. Um, and it could be through directly, you know, kind of contacting someone like myself or, you know, anyone else in the ag tech ecosystem. Or it could be working with someone like yourself, Jade, to say, you know, this is where I want to go um, and this is where I want my career to take me. Um, so I think, yeah, they're, they're kind of a, a few ways that I can think of that it's, it is easy to get involved. We have so much need and we are welcoming. So I, I really think, uh, and you don't have to be living in the city either. So <laughs> this is the great thing. Like many of us love to hire rural and regional and so it does mean that if you have those skills and you're rurally and regionally based or if you're looking to acquire those skills and you want to come in at a junior level or take a sideways step, uh, you know, there's probably some pretty big advantages that you already have that are really interesting to us. Great suggestions there and I love all of them and uh, regularly make similar suggestions to people even trying to get their first career in, in product, their first opportunity. I think, um, you know, offering your time, volunteering, showing that passion and commitment is um is really important and I think you know being rural or, or moving further out of the city I think um yeah you might have a lot of knocks on your doors because I know a lot of people are leaving the cities <laughs> at the moment um, there are it's like um you know there's a there's a bit of a kind of a, a movement away from the city I just thought of one other that I should throw in there and you know and that's around acquiring technical skills so if you're coming from the commercial side and you're evolved into a product management role, um, you know, out of a sales and marketing role or out of a customer success role or whatever it may be, um, you know, do some basic SQL programming or Python program, at least understand what it's like to be an engineer. And, you know, I think that's going to be very important um, going forward and would set anyone in good stead. 
Great tip, great tip. So one of my last questions, Emma, is that, you know, the ag tech, ag tech industries, you know, had a rough couple of years with droughts, bushfires, and, and then COVID. And I love on your website, you actually have that timeline that says survived COVID. What's, <laughs> um, what does the future of ag tech look like? You know, you're coming off the back of some a really rough couple of years. What's, um, what's the future look like? Look, it's, it is really bright. Um, you know, for those companies who have been able to navigate these past few years, it certainly hasn't been easy, but we've had to learn to be uh, very lean. Uh, we've had to learn to deeply prioritise, you know, what we can do with, um, you know, quite um, confined resources. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty adaptable um, and pretty innovative, you know, just outside of what we're doing in a, in a product sense and in a commercial sense, I think. Um, but, you know, there's lots of reasons to be really, really hopeful, um, not just because Australia is in a better position, but the ag tech industry overall, there are a number of ag techs, you know, who did kind of kick off their businesses and were founded, you know, four, five, six, seven years ago. And uh, we've already had a couple of exits, which is, you know, awesome for the industry. But what that means is there are a number of companies that are actually scaling into overseas markets, and that helps diversify the risk of participation in Australia where, you know, climate is a real issue for us um, to have to manage. And so, you know, this kind of growth trajectory we're on is not just about growth into the opportunity, it's actually about, like, physically spreading ourselves across the globe. And I think that's super exciting. I think the other, you know, really exciting um, part is that increasingly we are seeing a recognition and, you know, I, I think we're all trying to do our best to keep underscoring this, that there is a difference between agriculture and ag tech. And, you know, we're increasingly seeing government and others recognising um, that there is a difference. And so the level of support for agriculture is not um, does not necessarily mean that at the ag tech industry is being supported in the same way, just the, the you know, if there's support for banking, it doesn't mean that the fintech industry is being supported, right? So, you know, we're going through a little bit of maturity in the, the government and the regulatory space that is going to be really beneficial, I think, for ag techs, um, you know, over the next two to three years. I really think it's a good time to get in now because it's going to be, uh, much harder in you know three or four years and much more competitive um, than I think it is at the moment. I can't wait to see the growth and uh, see all the exciting things that AgriDigital is going to be up to. Emma, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you today. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and experience with us. How can we stay connected with you going forward? Oh, I am so easy to find. So <laughs> personally, um, it will not take much Google, score, Google stalking to find me, um, but uh, most accessible on LinkedIn, MRM Western, or on Twitter um, at MRM Western as well. So that's E-M-M-A-M for Margaret. That's my middle name, family name, W-E-S-T-O-N. Um, also through our website, uh, so agridigital.io, um, you know, please go there. Um, we love to get feedback. Uh, we have the um, ability to engage with us via the website as well. So please do follow what we're doing. Um, and yeah, look, it's just been such a pleasure to be part of this. And I'm so passionate about the way that product is transforming agriculture um, and the potential that we have in Australia to be world leading in this space. So yeah, exciting to talk with you today, Jade. Thank you. 
Fantastic. So we'll include all the links and uh, handles in our show notes so people can find you easily. Emma, it's been great talking to you today. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jade. Thank you for listening to The Product Edge brought to you by Middleton Executive. You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.